Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. With me is Rusty Mansell, also Dogs 24-7. This is a Dog 24-7 podcast. we got a pretty full show today. we got a lot to talk about. we got SEC Media Days. we got Jake Fromm on Matt Landers. we got a little bit of talk about Georgia's schedule. We're always going to hit recruiting. Before we get into it, Rusty, what's, what's going on with you, man? I mean, you know, we're going to talk about SEC Media Days, but you know, just being there just for that day, that Tuesday and the vibe, you know, you, you wake up and the excitement of that day, football's here, man. Uh, you know, I got a schedule this week that I'm, I'm going to see some high school teams and you know, what's crazy, Jake, when pe- people realize there's high school football games in less than two weeks, that first week there's scrimmage games that Friday night. So, I mean, if you want your fix, <laughs> it's here, man. Yeah, I, I I can smell it already. I really can. Like, you know, I know it's hot and hot as I'll get out, but there's just something about that late summer. You know, you just there's just a little bit of a feeling there. You know, it's coming. You're ready. I, I know I am. And I'll tell you this about SEC Media Days too. And and I, I may have said this on the podcast before. I know I've said it on our board. Man, you know, say what you want about Birmingham, Alabama, and if you you know, I'm it's not like it's my favorite city in the world either. It's not I mean, I don't hate it. I don't dislike it at all. I think Birmingham is just fine. But there is just something about the Winfrey Hotel and SEC Media Days and the, the way everything gets set up. Maybe that's maybe it's just the way I got used to it for my first 3 years before they moved to the College Football Hall of Fame. The energy and the buzz there is just so different. It's it's Maybe we're just all so close together, and last year at the Hall of Fame, it was just so spread out. But, man, I, I, I love SEC Media Days at the Winfrey, and I know, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the, next year is going to be their second run at it in, in Atlanta. You know, I assume it's going to be at the College Football Hall of Fame. Um, didn't really get any uh, specifics on that. But then Nashville, a lot to live up to. I know Nashville knocked it out of the park with the, with the uh, draft, but I, there's just nothing really matches the, the intensity and the, and the buzz of, of the Winfrey Hotel in, in Hoover, Alabama. I, I can't wait to go to Nashville. Um, I mean, I know, I know that that place is great. Uh, and I, I, I certainly – I'm with you, man. I, I like that feel. You know, they got the big sign, and it just means more on the building and – all that, but I tell you, man, I really, really am excited about going to Nashville. What they did for the draft, right? Just, just being there, and and you know, in Broadway, and they've got so much area up there. I tell you, I said it. I thought they'd go up there next year. I obviously come back to Atlanta, and then they go to Nashville. But I think, I think Nashville's about to get a Super Bowl. They got enough hotel rooms now. What they did for the draft was unbelievable, and um, I tell you, man. The Georgia fans that haven't been to Nashville in a while, when you go up there, if you haven't been in the last five or six years and you go up there for this Vandy game, you're going to be blown away because there's nothing but skyscrapers, hotels, restaurants, and cranes everywhere. Yeah, that's a, that's a quickly developing city. It really is. I know a lot of the locals with our office being there, They the, those guys have uh, have definitely you know kind of uh, changed their tune a little bit on Nashville. They know how fast it's growing and how quickly – it's Fast. becoming more and more popular. Mm-hmm. Fast growing city in America now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Heck, I'm looking forward to being there here in about five, six weeks. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. I always enjoy Nashville. Concerning Media Days, Rusty, I wanted to ask you, and I made a post about this on the board uh, over at the junkyard at Dogs 24-7. And, and uh, you know, I, I know some folks kind of 
you know, was like, oh, here we go again. Listen, I'm not saying I am legitimately, I'm being as genuine as I could possibly be. There was something different. There was something different about Kirby. There was something different about the players. You know, maybe it was just the players themselves. Maybe they just sent some guys that just kind of had a little bit of a different aura to them or a different attitude about it. But there was just like a, 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 a comfortability. I, I can't really put my finger on it. it I don't want to say confidence because then that makes it seem like, oh, I'm, you know, Jake saying that Georgia's just different this year. I don't know if it's going to have anything to do with, with them on the field. But there just seemed to be a different feel to this team. Did, did you sense that at all? Yeah. But those the, Now, you know, I, I do get what you're saying, and I agree with that. You know, but those are three well-polished young men that Georgia brought. I mean, Jake Fromm uh, is very comfortable in that setting. Um, in fact, a funny moment, Jake was supposed to come to our 24-7 table. He got behind, and and, and that's, that's okay. And, and at the very end, he was doing Radio Row, and, uh, the Georgia sports information guy looked at me and said, I just don't know if we're going to have it. We're going to try to get you over there. And Jake was looking at me, and he went to another table who who'd pre, who was ahead of us. And and they care, They had him a good while. And Jake turned and looked at me, I mean, the sports information guy. And it's it's, it's okay. It's his job. He said, Rusty, we're just not going to have time. And and Jake just looked at me and said, we're just not going to have no time for you big dogs. And he kind of laughed, you know. But that, look, that guy had been doing interviews for three or four hours. He still had some humor left in him. And yeah. You know, I'd spent some time with Andrew Thomas the Saturday before, at the, you know, FBU camp, such a great person. I, I tell you what I took out of, uh, out of that is, is, is Kirby smart. And, you know, Jake, me and you talked about it down there. We talked a little bit before we did this taping. You know, and you said this point, you may mention this, you thought he knocked it out of the park his first year. And I thought he did. I thought he did well his first year. What I see in Kirby smart now at SEC media days is such a business type um, he's more comfortable. It's more of a business discussion he's having. You know, he did pop the joke back to the reporter about, you know, getting rid of Alabama's backup quarterback, and that kind of got some chuckles in the room. But Kirby Smart goes in there now, very clear on what he's going to talk about, very clear on how he's going to answer things, business business type approach. Uh, you know, and and some people that know Kirby, he's got a little, he's got a pretty good humorous side. Believe it or not, to him. Uh, but that was a very business-like approach. He looked very comfortable up there to me, and he was in and out of the room without any kind of headlines. And I, and I guarantee you, that was his goal for the day: let's get her answer these questions, just get out, and you know, don't put anything extra in the headlines about my team. Now, that's not good for minding your business, but if you're looking at it from Kirby Smart's model, that's what he wanted at the end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm definitely with you on that. I just, I don't know. I'm around this team all the time. You know, like I'm around this team post-practice, you know, all of these same guys uh, so often. And and there just seemed to be kind of like a, I don't know, just a little something, just like I said, just a different vibe um, that I kind of picked up on. And, and, uh, you know, after it was all over, after SEC media days was over, um, little known fact, uh, those guys got back onto a private plane. They flew back to Athens, uh, did did their whole thing there, and, and like, Three three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, and listen, you know, noon is not the hottest part of the day. Okay, I can trust you can trust me on that because I tried to mow my yard about twenty yards away from from the Butts Mirror twenty sorry twenty miles away from the Butts Mirror building the other day. I tried to mow my yard about three thirty in the afternoon, and I almost died. 
So, so that's the hottest part of the day. I'm, I'm confident in saying that. And they went back and they did a team run in, in, the, t- in the toughest part of the day. They got up at like 4 a.m., flew over to Hoover, flew back, you know, did all that stuff, did all that mentally draining stuff, and then flew all the way back and did a team run in the afternoon. Do more, they say, and, and they did it. And, you know, and, I, and I, a lot of people don't realize that you probably know, you think you know, but you don't know how many closed room interviews they do. They go into the big room, then they go upstairs, they do Sirius radio, they do SEC radio, they do ESPN radio, they do CBS radio. They're in each of those rooms for 10 or 15 minutes. Then they come down and do radio row, which is another 10 or 15 interviews. So you sit know, on the SEC network set. I mean, yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah. So. That's something I like Jay Fromm. You know, he's not walking. I mean, he was walking around. It was funny because he was walking around. There's three or four people around him at all times. So, uh, you know, those guys, they really have to grind on that day, but they were, you know, those are three, uh, easy picks for me. If I'm Kirby smart to send over there, because those are three well-polished, very good football players in his program. They're pros. They're pros at that part of it, at least. I mean, they're, they're not getting paid or anything like that. I guess they're education. I'm not going to get into that old debate. But they're, they're pros at, at what they're doing in in that aspect of things. And they better get that way because I think all three of them is going to earn a paycheck at some point in their career on Sundays. And, and you know, that's a topic to, to be debated later. You know, uh, you know, all of them are going to get a chance to play at the next level. Uh Rusty, a story I wrote earlier today, and, and I was just kind of you know fumbling around and, and looking at different videos from SEC media days. I had some downtime today and came across Jake Fromm with the SEC Network crew. And Gene Chizik asked him, he says, you know, you've got a lot to replace. you got a lot to replace in the passing game. Are there any guys that have stepped up? Are there any guys that have, that have stepped up and shown you anything? And Fromm gives kind of the, you know, I thought, you know, first listen to the answer, I thought he was going to dodge it because he said he didn't want to put any kind of extra pressure on anybody. But then he brings up one guy. He brings up Matt Landers. This is a guy we saw in person at G-Day. We saw him drop three passes. Only two of them really counted because the other one was would have been called back for a penalty anyway. But he dropped three passes, but he showed the ability to separate. Kirby's praised him in practice, said he was a force to be reckoned with on the scout team. So I just got to thinking, Rusty, what is this? Jake Fromm bringing up Matt Landers specifically. And, and I, I came up with three things it could possibly be. Motivation, encouragement, or just Matt Landers is really flat out taking care of business. There's nothing extra here. There's nothing, you know, there's no, there's no like, uh, there's no, uh, I guess I can't think of the right word for it. There's no real motivation on his part for it you know, on Jake Fromm's part for it. There's no really reason for him to bring it up other than the fact that Matt Landers is just flat out tearing it up and, and showing him something. Or, you know, where do you think that falls? Do you, I mean, obviously it can be more than one. I don't think it's a motivation issue personally, but I mean, do you just think, I haven't heard much about Matt Landers from, from my sources this, this summer. So where do you think that kind of, you know, more falls with, with Jake Fromm mentioning Matt Landers? You know, who who are the most eyes on this team? Who who carries the most um, views? Who 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 are the eyes on when the mic is hot in front of you? It's Jake Fromm. No matter if it's DeAndre Swift, Andrew Thomas, it doesn't matter. When the mic is hot in front of Jake Fromm, there's no more coverage on the Georgia football. He's also the leader of the team. He's also the quarterback. He also understands he's got to have some help at wide receiver. He probably took that opportunity to say, you know what, Matt Landers has been working hard. 
um, you know, let me give this guy some recognition because Matt Lander sees that. You think Matt Lander's mom didn't see that? You think his family didn't see that? You think Matt Landers didn't think, hey, man, my quarterback had an opportunity to mention some people and mention me. So it was probably a calculated move. It was also probably a deserved move. I'll say this. Last fall, got a, I got a really good source that, that goes to some practices in the fall, especially the closed scrimmages. And both of those closed scrimmages in August, last year they came back and said, man, this, this, this Matt Landers guy is a freak. I mean, like he made Randy Moss type catches and you've been hearing those things, but you also like what you mentioned, Jake, the inconsistency, the drop balls. Is he physical enough to block on the edge in this pro style offense? Does, is he, you know, early on, there was some knocks on his practice habits. He would take days off. You're not going to take days off with Kirby Smart. I don't care who you are. You're not going to do it. DeAndre Swift took days off because the dude had, growing issues that he had double surgery on after his freshman year. So there's a clear difference. But you come into a third year and you somehow like Matt Landers, and if you can't turn the switch on now, you're never going to do it. You're never going to do it. He's never going to have a better opportunity in a bigger setting, in a bigger program than he does right now to grab some meaningful minutes. And I think Jake Fromm probably said, you know what? I'm going to give this guy some recognition. I believe in him. He's been working hard. I need him, and there's nothing wrong with me giving him a little bit of praise on the national scene. And it's probably pretty calculated on Jake's part, but, I, you know, I, I've heard about Matt Landers in the past. He's got some inconsistencies, but, man, they say he can absolutely at times. There's nobody in Athens like him. Uh, he's a 6'5 kid, 6'4 and a half, 6'5, a long wingspan. Uh, Georgia needs a lot of that. I just watched the Rose Bowl today. It was on TV, and – you see Javon Williams making those plays, man, and Georgia needs that guy. Jake Fromm had him in Jeremiah Holloman. He is no longer there. Georgia needs one of those big guys, Matt Landers, Tommy Bush, Lawrence Cager, one of those because Jake Fromm loves to throw that back shoulder throw on third and long. It's man-to-man coverage. You know that that saying that, that it's funny because it's true? I kind of equate it to that. If, if it's not 100% – you know, Matt Landers has been dominating in seven on seven. If it's not that, there's some truth to it. There's no doubt in my mind that there is some truth to that. And and I think it probably goes a little bit to the more more of the motivation thing because listen, if 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 he knew Matt Landers was was a stud and he knew Matt Landers what Matt Landers was capable of and Matt Landers was able to make all these big plays and and he just wasn't practicing like he needed to. He, he might have had it, took that as an opportunity to say, hey, a guy we really need to step up is Matt Landers. He is a big-time football player. He Correct. can do it all. But to me, for him to say he's doing all the right things, he's working hard, he's had a, he had a great spring, he had a great summer, to me that's kind of like praise, encouragement, and you know, this is a guy that's standing out to me. He really is. And so I, I think that's huge, man. I, you know, I, I know that, you know, watching him at G day, even with the drops, you know, I, I definitely understand the whole drops issue. I've coached wide receivers before and, you know, we played a wing T offense and, and we had, yeah, we had man. some dude, we had some dudes. Okay. We had some, we had some big time athletes. We had this kid named Greg Robinson, that was a and 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 I'm not mentioning Greg in a negative light at all here because he was a big time basketball player. He was six three. He was an absolute stud. Couldn't do anything with him in practice. But when you threw Greg Robinson a, a quick slant, 
he was probably going to catch it 50% of the time. It was going to hit him in the hands and he was going to be trying to look up field or, you know, he, he would get ahead of himself. And, and that was one of the things, that's one of the reasons why we didn't try to get him the ball a little bit more is because when you're throwing the ball six times a game, you really want all six of them to hit your hands to be caught. And, you know, if you, you can make all the one-handed catches at the back pylon that you want, you can Randy, you can moss guys all day long, uh, all of those things. But if you can't catch that, you know, if you can't catch that quick hitch, they throw out to the flat on the RPO where the guy's playing off coverage, yep. and that ball hits you in the hands on first down for a, for an easy, you know, pitch and catch seven yard gain, you're not going to play. You're just not, and Jake, and that's that, that's the end of it. Let me ask you this, Jake, because you're going to cover them from day to day, and I'm sure that you're getting your mind right. What's your gut feel on this wide receiver group as a whole? I mean, going into August, that's all everybody's talking about and you have these unknowns with Lawrence Cager with Wolf with Pickens and these guys what is your gut feeling because this is ultimately the question on this Georgia football team is this wide receiver spot what's your gut feeling going into August I I think it's going to take a little bit of time and and I think that they they need to get it worked out by Notre Dame Although I'm really iffy on Notre Dame's defense, if you've if you've read some of the comments that Brian Kelly has had about their linebacking core, I I, I don't know that I don't know that they're going to be able to stop Georgia from running the football. Georgia may not have to throw the football very much. I think they need to have it worked out by then, though, um, just to or or at least by the bye week, because you know you know Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, they've got some talented defensive backs. They're going to try to you know, really load up the box and put some guys in conflict. But I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I'm not really worried about it long-term, Rusty. I'm, I'm re- uh, it's not like I think it's going to be a struggle all year. I just think the whole development of chemistry, bringing George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock along, because I think they're two of the more talented guys they've got, getting Lawrence Cager on the same page and getting him some game action and going. Um, I like Tyler Simmons a lot. I like Tyler Simmons. I love Tyler Simmons as a person. Like covering him in recruiting, I, I don't know that I've covered very many recruits that I just flat out like more than than Tyler Simmons. I don't know that Tyler Simmons is a go-to. I think he's a guy that, you know, is going to catch three balls for seventy yards or, or something like that. I'm I just I'm just not sure he's ever going to be the guy that can grab six, seven, eight passes for you in a game. Um, in a tough moment. So I, I'm not so sure about that. I, I do think he's going to be a big part of this. But they've got to find somebody to compliment him well. I think Charlie Warner's going to fit in there, and I think I think DeAndre Swift's going to catch a lot of balls. I, you know, hearing you talk about him potentially being the leading receiver, I've come around on that. I, it's not going to blow my, It's not going to blow me away if he catches 40, 45 passes this year. So it's going to take some time, in, in my opinion, but I do think that, that it comes together and that they're going to be just fine in the long run. It's fascinating because they've got talent. It's just can who's going to step up, you know Demetrius Robertson, Tyler Simmons, like you said, uh, Matt Landers. I mean, how good is George Pickens? All these things are going to play out. Uh, Trey Blunt, Trey Blunt is a guy that I I don't I've got a gut feeling about him. I, I there's just something about him as a player and how hard he works. Seeing him at Camp Sunshine, that that kid's yoked, man. Oh, that yeah. is a big. That is a big kid. He he has made one of the biggest physical transformations since since arriving at Georgia of anybody. Like he looks like, I mean, he looks like an Anquan Bolden type style of guy out there right now. I mean, he's just he he has his arms are huge. He's gotten so much bigger in his in his in his lower and upper body. Um, yeah, it's not going to shock me if he. I mean, he looks like a linebacker. I, he was standing beside Nicobe Dean, and I was like, "Who's the linebacker here?" You know so, what? Blunt's going to play because he blocks. 
yep. Blunt played two years ago when they ran that tight bunch package and they brought yep. Blunt in. They didn't give a damn if you knew or not. They were running the ball, and if you watch that block on the Sony Michelle touchdown, the first half of the Oklahoma game, Trey Blunt KOs the Oklahoma linebacker, and when he comes around from that tight package and from the tight bunch set, and he absolutely leveled that dude. So. Trey Blunt's going to play. Now, he might not be that that offensive weapon threat. Who knows? He's going to be on the field because he is physical. If he's got that much bigger, no question you'll see a lot of him this year. I thought he looked great at G-Day. I really did. I thought he looked great against D.J. Daniel and, uh, and Tyreek Stevenson, two really talented players there. They may be new, but but he looked really good. But let's move and talk about the schedule for a second, and, and we're, we're going to talk about just kind of a one-topic thing here, something I wanted to throw out, something I think that – you know, we're, we're going to discuss schedule along and along throughout preseason camp, and, and eventually we'll get down there closer to the season, start, you know, make some kind of predictions on the site, but also make some uh, here, on the, here on the podcast. But, Rusty, who do you think is the most, is the sneakiest team on Georgia's schedule? Florida's getting a lot of love. Missouri's getting a lot of love. I don't necessarily know those guys can be put in there. A&M's getting a lot of love, and, and, and then you've got Notre Dame. So you've got those four games in there, and, and maybe maybe those teams will do better. You think those teams will do better than, than every other team on the schedule, but who do you think is the most sneaky good team this year on Georgia's schedule? You know, because everybody is talking about Notre Dame. I'm, I'm going to say that, that Texas A&M is going to be a lot better than people think. This, that's not my answer. I'm just going to say Texas A&M is going to be better than, than people probably are thinking right now. And that, that game is so late in the year. Uh, really, I'm going to say this, and, and, and people may get, on, get after me on the board. Georgia plays Notre Dame, and there's going to be a billion pieces of hype around that game. And just because of what it is, the setting. So Georgia's going to turn around and they're going to play, have a bye week, and everybody's had them on the back. They win the game, and then they're going to play at Tennessee. I think Tennessee, if they get better quarterback play, is going to be better than people, particularly the Georgia fan base, think it's going to be. And at Tennessee, is not going to be a joke. I am predicting Georgia to win that game. Let me be clear before the board gets after me, but I think Tennessee is going to be better. Than people think they're going to be specifically the Georgia fans I've talked to. Georgia goes up there two weeks after that Notre Dame game after a bye week. Tennessee is going to be ready to play that game, so I think Tennessee is going to be better than people think. And and because I've talked to a lot of Georgia fans the last month, and they're not expecting much out of Tennessee. And I I think that Pruitt's recruited well. Uh, it's all going to be about the quarterback play, and they got Jim Chaney, who's a hell of a play caller. So we'll see what they can do up there this year. Not only that, Jim Chaney knows Georgia's personnel defensively. He's coached against them in practice for three years. You know, the coaches are going to downplay that. There's no way in the world they're not trying to tap into that the best they can. I agree with you. That would That's my number one choice for sure. And I think one of the things that plays into it, and I probably mentioned this when we were talking to Connor on the previous podcast, uh, and by the way, those guys killed it at SEC Media days i mean tremendous job for for being there and, and being able to kind of interview us while also allowing us to move on and do what we had to do that was awesome uh but tennessee got their brains kicked in the last time georgia went to knoxville and that 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 score that day everything is going to be all over everything that week 
Now, does that mean they've got the, they've got the juice to beat Georgia? I really don't think so. Not not at a four quarter game, but I think that gives them the juice to make it a four quarter game. It wouldn't yeah. shock me if it was something like Georgia Florida last year, where where it was close for a while and then Georgia pulled away late. Uh, but but I think Tennessee is going to come loaded for bear for that game. But I've got another one that that just kind of came to me as I was doing these breakdowns of you know top five quarterbacks, top five running backs of on, on Georgia's schedule. I think Kentucky's going to be pretty good again this year. And I didn't have that same opinion a few months ago when Josh Allen and Lonnie uh, – I'm losing his name, the, the the cornerback. I can't remember his last name. Uh, but but they lost that top – Lonnie Johnson. Uh, uh, you had Mike Edwards. All of those guys went pro. Benny Snell. Uh, they lost Bunchy Stallings, who, who was probably one of my favorite offensive linemen in the SEC. But they still bring back Drake Jackson. They still bring back a ton of size on that offensive line. They're going to have some good running backs. Mark Stoops recruited well. Terry Wilson's going to be a junior. Uh, I love Calvin Taylor on defense. I don't know if – I never remember covering him or recruiting Rusty. Calvin Taylor's a dude, man. Yeah. He is He is a fifth-year senior who is a monster. Mm-hmm. And and you look at that that team as a whole, I think they're going to come back and be pretty good. Uh, you know, I, I definitely think Georgia handles that one in Athens, especially late in the season, later on in the season when when you've had some time to get film on teams and figure them out. But I th- also think Kentucky's going to be a little bit better than they think. I, I want to say I had, you know, because I'm I, I'm it's well documented, and and I know the folks over at our Florida site, all the fans over there, loving what I've got to say about Florida. It's not very high on Florida, just not. I I. I I, I, I don't like what they lost on the offensive line. I don't like what they lost r- right on defense in terms of playmaking ability. They lost a ton. Uh, they returned C.J. Henderson, who I think is one of the better players in the conference. They got some good skill talent on the outside. I'm not sold on Felipe Franks or their ability to, to protect them. I mean, Georgia sacked them five times last year, and that was with a first-round pick at right tackle and, and a really good left tackle and, a, and some veterans on the interior. So I, I, I think that Kentucky and Tennessee not only are going to be a little bit better than everybody thinks, it's not going to blow my mind if if we get to December and and Florida is right there with those teams or finishes behind them because I just I just think both of those two uh, you know they just kind of have what it takes to to get there and and to do those things. Damn, Olin is so much in the Gus Malzahn, um, I would say category because. When Dan Mullen's been really good, he's had really good quarterback play. So is Felipe Franks going to be that guy? Is Emory Jones going to be that guy? Um, it's all about the quarterback play. If he can get the good quarterback play, and Dan Mullen has that done that quite a bit at times. Uh, same thing I think with Auburn this year. You know, can they get good quarterback play? Is is going to determine their season. So with Florida, I think it's going to come back. It's going to come down to that position and, and how they do with Felipe Franks and. You know, he's flashed at times, and that was a big win against Michigan, but certainly any Florida fan would tell you they have had a hell of an offseason. Uh, very little momentum coming into the season, so we'll see how they handle it, what type of leadership they got, but it's going to come down to quarterback play on Florida. And um, You know, I think Missouri with Kelly Bryant is a team that we're going to talk more about as we get going, and certainly uh, a team that has my full attention uh, and we'll, and certainly will have Kirby Smart in him the week after Florida and the week before Auburn, Missouri comes to town. Arguably the third best offensive line in the league behind Georgia and Alabama is Missouri. Yasir Durant, 
the the um the the Sims kid is is a beast. I love their center. They they're really good on the on the offensive line. And Larry Roundtree is not any joke. Is no joke at all. Like I was. I was a little little surprised he wasn't an all SEC type guy. Whenever that those lists came out, I was surprised Lamichael Pirine got the got the vote over him, especially over what he did over what he did last year. And uh, I think Missouri's going to be pretty good too. Uh, I just think that uh, you know this Florida team reminds me so much of that 2011 Mississippi State team Dan Mullen had, where the year before they'd beaten Georgia, they they were good, they caught lightning in a bottle. I can't remember exactly what their record was. But they were a good football team in 2010. Then they lost Derek Sherrod at left tackle. Uh, I know his last name was Sherrod. I may have his first name wrong. But they lost him. They lost some other offensive linemen. They come to Athens. They get they get sacked a million times by Cornelius Washington and Jarvis Jones. And despite the fact Aaron Murray throws three interceptions, that Georgia kind of you know pushes them out of the building a little bit. And I, I just I, for some reason that that's what comes to mind because quarterback plays big in that offense don't get me wrong you're 100 percent right but so is offensive line this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm play. You got to be able to bully bully some guys. You got to be able to put face mask on face mask. And I just, I'm, I'm not 100% sold on, on their ability to do that. All right, moving on real quick to uh, to recruiting. Rusty, you're a movie star, man. You are an absolute movie star. I, I, I hear. I hear. We, we're going to try to get the. We're going to try to get the junkyard out to Hollywood whenever you do your star. When you do your ha- hands in the cement and everything for Last Chance. You, you're a movie star, and uh, I, you know, I, I wanted. I, I wanted to check in with you on this just to kind of, you know, you you've had a chance to talk about it on our board. There are a lot of people who listen to this uh, listen to this podcast who are not members of our site, and if you're not, you should be because because we're kind of awesome. Uh, Rusty is anyway; he's awesome enough for all of us. But um, you've you've talked about this on the board a little bit, but it's a little easier to kind of verbalize and to articulate this via the podcast. What was that experience like? It was it was interesting. Uh, I'll I'll take you back to about you know what's crazy about this time last year. Georgia was about to have their last recruiting weekend right before, as the dead period ended uh, and it began, began again. Jermaine Johnson, who was the nation's number one top junior college prospect, obviously from, from, from um, Independence, and reached out to me. And he said, hey, you know, I think it was a Friday, so it'd be a, this Friday would be a year. Reached out to me right as he got to Athens and said, hey uh, – I want to come. I'm going to commit to Georgia. Could you help me do a video? And I said, certainly I could. Uh, so I tried to plan it to where when he left Athens, he was on an unofficial visit. So I tried to plan it to where he would, I could get him at the airport, anywhere I could get him on the way back after his visit, we would film something in Georgia. It just didn't work out. So he called me that afternoon, Sunday afternoon, before right before he left he said hey i hate to ask you this but can you come out to kansas and i said 
probably, when are we talking? He was like, could you come like tomorrow? I said, hold up, man. Hold up. Hold up. I said, uh, let me look, call the office tomorrow and let's try to get something set. When is, when does, you know, what's the best day? It wound up working out where Thursday was the best day. So I flew into Tulsa, uh, that night before I flew into Tulsa and the next morning early, I drove to, um, independence, which was probably an hour and a half North of Tulsa. And you drive into Kansas thousand cornfields as you can imagine. And, and you drive up to this school and there's just nothing there, man. I, I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, it, it looked like an old, old, small high school, uh, in the middle of a, of a cornfield, like an old country road. You just pull up and there it is. It's not, it's not off the interstate. There's no street exit. I mean, it is literally in the middle of nowhere. So I get there and it was the first day of practice, which Jermaine had kind of relayed that and told me that everything was fine. So, so the to coach Harris, who is now the head coach, I come out, kind of communicate with coach Harris and said, listen, making sure everything's okay. I'm flying out to commit the video. Jermaine Johnson committed to Georgia. Uh, I probably need an hour with him. Is that okay? He goes, should, shouldn't be a problem. So I get there and, and Jermaine, had class, he had to go, he had class, he had practice and, and, and look, not, not anything against Jermaine. He just, he, he, I was on Jermaine's time and that's okay. I was on his time that day. I'll never forget. So I get to, I get to independence, I walk in coach Harris, meet with him. Then I meet with coach Brown, JB, as he's known on the show. And we had a good long talk, you know, and I, and I told him, I said, coach, listen, we got Jermaine as the number one player in the country, man. This is off the record. You tell me, are we wrong? You know, we, we see him as, that talent and he and he just preached and preached and preached about how good a player he was. He coached all these guys and he goes, he's the best one I've ever had. And I said, okay. So I felt better on that. And he said, Does Netflix know you're here? And I said, No. And I said, He and he kind of looked at me and never getting we may have a problem. And I was like, Oh Lord. So he said, I tell you what, we got a coach's meeting, come back in my office in an hour. He said, just hang out for an hour. So as I, as I walk outside to get my computer bag, Netflix pulls up and they pull up 15 deep in two vans. Everybody's mic'd up cameras and all that. They don't pay one attention to who I am. I'm trying to lay low. Cause at this point I just had heard they ran everybody off in the morning practice. All kind of media was there. They ran everybody off. You know, they own the rights to that deal. They pay enough to that school and, and, and don't get me wrong. They pay that school to do that. So, um, I'll never forget. I'm like, oh man. So I call the office and I said, Hey, listen, guys, I'm out here. I don't know if I'm going to be able to film this kid. I don't know if Netflix is about to run me off. I'm just letting y'all know. So we get through that. I go into town and town is how it looks on the show. It's, it's very, very small. They do have a McDonald's. I pull into McDonald's, Use their Wi-Fi. It's very slow. I can't upload anything. So I know at that point, whenever I film Jermaine Johnson, I got to go back to Tulsa to get any type of Wi-Fi fast enough to upload anything. Get back to the school, and probably an hour, hour and a half later, Jermaine gets out of class. He comes over. As Jermaine comes over, I'll never forget, he walks in with a Netflix guy. And I'm going, well, I'm about to find out. Guy asked me who I was, who I'm with. He said, are you filming his commitment? And I said, sure. He said, this is going to be great. 
um, would you mind signing some paperwork now so we can go ahead and start walking around with you? So I called the office just to make sure. I said, are we okay? Am I okay doing this? Office was like, sure, do it. So I signed the papers. And next thing you know, I'm mic'd up, got four dudes with looks like satellites walking behind me the whole time. And what should have took an hour, I was there from about 2 to about 6.30 because Jermaine had got to go back to academic counseling. Uh, We went back and filmed a little bit more different scenes for him. So for about about 7 p.m. that night, I sent as much as I could from the Wi-Fi at the school. We had one scene he wanted to film at the end. That was him putting on a Georgia hat and, and him talking a little bit over the video. But never forget, I shot it. I put my hot spot up and tried to send it. Couldn't send it. Told Jermaine, I said, listen, I'm driving to Tulsa. We're going to drop this tonight or not. It was a Thursday night about 7.30. He goes, man, let's just wait till Saturday. I said, Jermaine, you're going to get 10 times the views if you do it on a Thursday, my man. He said, drop it. I said, okay, I'll drop it tonight. So I get back into Tulsa. Our office guys, uh, you know, fixed it up, clipped it up. I sent it to Jermaine and uh, I had to send him videos off my phone from the monitor because because I knew he'd never get the Wi-Fi to go through there. So it was cool. You know, I saw that, that, that it was eye opening for me, man. I mean, what you see on TV doesn't do it justice. I mean, it literally is in the middle of nowhere. So I know why those kids come there. They're desperate to play football. Um, I'm sure those people do the best they can with those young men and and that community has got to be behind it. Cause there's nothing else there. There's nothing there. Um, and, and, uh, People ask me all the time, what was JB like? You know, he he did cuss in normal setting. Um, he was very nice to me that day. Coach Harris, who is now the head coach, was took a lot of time with me. So uh, I'll never forget, I asked Coach, I said, Coach, how many kids you got today? First day of practice, he said, around 275. I said, Coach, how many travels on a away game? He said, about 55 or 60. I said, you got 190 that's going to ride the pine? He said, oh, yeah, but he said, we'll, we'll lose 30 or 40 this week after the first two practices. So you can imagine the paperwork, the process, the, the everything that goes into something like that. It just doesn't do it justice on TV, but I couldn't have been more impressed with Jermaine Johnson. I remember telling the board when I got back, very impressive young man. I, he's going to be an extremely good football player for Georgia. That was a wild 24 hours for me because I didn't know what was happening Everything was kind of thrown off. I barely had Wi-Fi. I'm in the middle of freaking Kansas. So when you ever get that idea that Rusty Mansell's not grinding for you, I went to freaking Independence, Kansas to break a Georgia commitment. So I will pat myself on the back with that one. And I have been absolutely shocked at the number of people that watched that show because I had so many people reach out to me this weekend. I had a lot of people from numbers I don't even know. I replied back to you. So thank you. It was cool. Um, Pretty cool moment because I watched that show I've, I've had since season one. But uh, it was definitely an experience that I will never forget. And, and it, let me tell you something. When they say last chance you, that is last chance you. Yeah, I, uh, you know, hearing you tell that story, I definitely remember the whole sequence of events because I remember that weekend when you were supposed to meet him at the airport. And, yeah. and this kind of lets you into what we what we do you know, it's all hands on deck. This is the number one JUCO prospect in the country. This is a guy that Georgia really wants. 
uh, he, he was kind of the topic du jour uh, of that little time period there because, you know, our, our fans are pretty good at reading the tea leaves. Our, our readers are pretty good at reading the tea leaves, and they knew something was up, and they knew Georgia had a really good shot to get Jermaine Johnson. And I remember being back and forth with Kip all day long that yes. Sunday. on We talked via uh, Google Messenger, Gchat. Yep. And we were all day long and, and we, what we, Kip and I call it, and, and you probably do too, you know, I don't get a chance to talk about it as much as Kip and I do, but we call it getting held hostage because right. your wife wants to, you, your wife wants to take the kids to the park uh, right. with you or, or she wants to go to dinner with you. And you're like, I, I can't, Georgia might get this commitment. I can't go anywhere. I gotta, I gotta be right here. Like yep. I gotta sit here and wait on this whole thing. And that's what it was that whole Sunday. And then all of a yes. sudden, Four days later, you have to go to Kansas. Well, going into that morning, Sunday morning, it I was I was going to drive two hours to Athens. I don't live in Athens. Right. I was driving to Athens to get that done. And he had some meetings that morning. Things got over. And, and I could tell after he called me, after his visit was over, I said, man, this is not going to happen. This is not going to yeah. happen. And listen, y'all had me, y'all had me on alert that day. Every, Cause you were like, you were going to be like, Jake, can you come over and, and help me with this? If I have to do it. Yep. So it was a, it was an interesting day. And listen, he wasn't being a prima donna. His time was so busy on that visit that when he got done, he was like, you know, and, and look, he wanted to do a video and look, we wanted a store. We had to go there. So I, do, I did it for James Cook. James Cook asked me to come to Miami to shoot his, and I, I did that. You know, we've, we've sent Kip places. You've done it in the, in the past. So if we have to break a commitment story, I, look at MJ Sherman. I didn't tell anybody for two months that we had a commitment video with MJ Sherman. So we will do it, but that was one I'll never forget just because of the dynamic of where it was, the whole TV series around it. Uh, it's just it's crazy. Um, it's 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 – I wish you could see it just to understand it because the TV doesn't do it any justice. That that thing's in the middle of nowhere. They were they were building the turf field, and that's a big storyline in this one. Uh, they were building the turf field there. But I'll never forget, Nadab Joseph was there. That was his first day, first day of practice. And I asked Coach Brown, I said, Coach, can I meet with Nadab Joseph? The kid doesn't do interviews at all. He goes, no. He goes, we're trying to get his paperwork done. He just got here. Uh, Georgia has placed him here. And, uh, I said, Oh, okay. And so, you know, I didn't push my limits, but man, I wanted to interview. I remember kept going, get to dab Joseph, getting the dab Joseph, getting the dab Joseph. And I tried everything I could and couldn't get to dab Joseph, but we got a commitment video out of Jermaine Johnson, got a story, uh, got a chance to, for everybody to kind of meet him and see him. And I'm excited for that young man. Cause, uh, he was a great kid. He is a hell of a football player. That is one big dude in person. Yeah, he is, and and he's he's a freak athlete too. Like I've I've got really high expectations for him. I, he's coming up in a couple of stories I've got coming up uh, at Dogs Two Four Seven Twenty Four Seven here in just a little bit. I'll tell you this though: last summer, uh, you know, you could be, you, you know, they they send the team guy on a recruiting assignment. Former former recruiting guy. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. He's like, hey, swing through CDJ Daniel, then go cover Trayvon Walker's commitment. <laughs> I see DJ Daniel. DJ Daniel's like, yeah, I'm committing to Georgia. I'm going to commit to Georgia. Gives me a gives me a commitment video, but says, hey, film one for Kentucky and South Carolina too. That oh. way, I know that you don't just have one video. Man. So I'm I roll through there. I get that. I go cover Trayvon Walker. All that stuff goes on. Three weeks later, DJ Daniel commits to South Carolina. Now, eventually, he did end up back at Georgia. 
but I've had the, I, I wrote the story as soon as I got home because I'm like, this kid could pop any day now. And then all of a sudden he commits to South Carolina and I'm like, man, I hadn't lost anything in Milledgeville. What, I, I didn't want to go to Milledgeville that day. You know, you're just sitting there like, oh, golly, but all's well that ends well. And that's, that's kind of how that one turned out too. So these, these things happen, man, these things happen. And hey, I went to Monty, I went to Huntsville, Alabama, see Monty Rice commit to Georgia, the entire, the entire Georgia beat was there. And I remember him saying LSU and I had to call Shay Dixon and Shay was like, what the hell are you talking about? I said, the kid what? just fitted to LSU. I've got the story. He was like, what? So when something happens like that, when a kid's torn and they make a decision like that, I've always learned, look, th- those things are really not over. Jermaine, you know, um, DJ Daniels wasn't over. And we sat down the board. Uh, Monty Rice, I knew when I left the school parking lot, that was not over. Uh, his coach called me on the way out the door. He goes, hey, man, th- this kid's in the back room right now, and he, he is panicked. He, he don't know what he just did. You know, he was so nervous, and he's still torn. I knew right then that Georgia eventually probably win that one out, and they did. Yep, and, and did the same thing with Daniel. You know, I, I remember seeing him on the, si- on the sideline during a game later on that year, and I was like, all right, I, I think I know how this one's going to go, and, and right. it did. And, uh, you know, a lot of times that kid, man, when, when, when you get him in that calm moment, when you get him in that moment one-on-one, what they tell you then is what's usually going to end up winning out. It, you know, sometimes it doesn't. Laramie Tunsil is a, is a perfect example of that. Had him one-on-one after he had, uh, after he had committed, after he had taken his official visit to Georgia. Got, you know, got the commitment story from him. He, he was ready to let me roll it because I'd been down there to see him a couple times and it didn't work out. But more often than not, when you get that kid in that downtime, that, that's, you know, calm moment and, they're, they're usually going to go ahead and give you what's going to end up being true, whether it looks that way or, or not. Uh, guys, that's all we got for today. We're going to have uh, – we're going to be a three-man show later this week. Our man Kip is, is, is going to come back in from the West Coast. We're going to have a show with him later on this week. What's that? Getting the band back together. <laughs> Getting the band back together. We're a table now. We can stand. We're not just a lean-to anymore. But, uh, yeah, Kip's going to be back with us. we got a lot of stuff we're going dis- to discuss. Like I said earlier, we're going to talk about Georgia's schedule pretty much from here on out. Uh, we're we're going to spread that out for you guys. we got some stuff we're going to talk about r- regarding recruiting. Uh, it could be a strong end to the month here. we got a big one coming up on the 29th with Kendall Milton. Uh, we're watching that one closely, obviously, and and just so much more to come. We'll have you all through preseason camp, all through the season. But for this Junkyard Dogcast, that's it. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. He's Rusty Mansell, Dogs 24-7, and we will see you soon.